The One Tough Mother Podcast. The One Tough Mother Show is real talk with special guests, including industry leaders, celebrities, and amazing women who've overcome adversities to work their way to the top and are willing to share their real life lessons. Remember, you don't have to be a mother to be one tough mother. It's all about you. Hi, welcome to the One Tough Mother Show, December 1st, the week of December 1st. What the hell? I mean, Halloween, Thanksgiving, now Christmas. It went so incredibly fast. I can't, Seth, did it go fast to you? Well, I don't know if I shared my theory on this with you. When when you're younger, you can't wait to get older, so it goes slow. And then when you're older, you don't want to age anymore or get older and die. So it goes fast. Oh, yeah. Uh, good yes. theory. Yeah, but it's true. I mean, it's you know what it is because we're so hectically busy now. We're not out in the fields, you know, hoeing the field. And, you know, we don't go to bed at five o'clock when it gets dark and we don't get up at the crack of dawn. It's just like you're so busy 24-7, 365. It's just incredibly fast and then for you so the new gig you were in the new job we're so super proud of you what was it like was it cool was it fun it's good because i you know unlike a a previous place where there's a lot of red tape and and no one really wanting to make anything of of what we were doing um now it's uh i I have a real hand in in making something happen so that's so cool uh, yeah, it's really exciting. I was already traveled. I was in, out in LA. Of course, the one one of the couple of days I was there it rained, and that was like big news because it never rains out there. And um, I got soaked. I got caught in the rain. It was kind of funny, but um, it was good. It's um, it's a really great company. I'm just uh, I'm excited for the opportunity, and uh, it's uh, I you know look forward to going to work tomorrow. So that's always a good thing. Yeah, can you tell everybody where you're working or no? Oh yeah, I work for Showtime. I'm director of podcasts. And um, we're going to be launching a bunch of shows focused on sports, uh, mostly combat sports, you know, boxing, MMA, wrestling. So it's, you know, stuff I've been working on for a while anyway. So it's right up my alley. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing stuff. You know, it's, it's, um, it's going to be it's, it's a good company. It's just very professional. It's just such a different vibe. It's, it's great. I'm really you know? proud of you. That is really you, you really did hit it. You hit right into where you needed to be. I mean, this is big for you. So this is incredible. I'm I'm super proud of you for doing it. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. I feel like my little son has left the nest. Not really. Yeah. So, well, um, when you get, did you bring you get, presents for the kids? Yeah, I got you got did some ordering. Oh. Yes. Okay. Um it's uh, it's funny when you're older, you don't want to travel anymore. I didn't want to leave Melissa with four kids, but um, you know, it's one of the reasons I didn't stay in for the fight. Oh, by the way, the fight was crazy. Um, this guy Tyson Fury, you know, he's 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 come back from dr- drugs, alcohol, and mental illness, and 400 pounds got down to 260, and they fought to a draw, but he got knocked out in the 12th round, and the fight looked like it was over, and he rose. What? He was touched by Jesus, really, because he's wow. very religious, and uh, it was amazing. Wow, that's incredible! Like he got up, he got a guy that's knocked everyone out who never nobody ever gets up when he hits them, and he got up. And when he got up, yeah. so he didn't win the fight, though, right? Should have. It was a draw. He should have won the fight. Really? Um, yeah, he got robbed. Wow. Was, when when he got knocked out, you're talking about he got, you know 
total this guy, Deontay Wilder knocks out. He has 40-0 with 39 knockouts. When he hits you, you're done. He hit him with two shots. He went flat on his back. One, two, three, four, five, six. He pops up. Gets mm-hmm. up and actually finished the round pretty good. Very amazing. Whoa. Yeah. That it is was in- like a- Even for somebody who doesn't know boxing, that's pretty incredible, right? I mean, I, I like watching boxing now, but wow, to jump up and just be like, okay, I'm back. Well, they're good. It's, they're good guys. It's a good story, and now they'll make more money because they'll have a rematch. They'll probably fight in Wembley Stadium with eighty or ninety thousand fans, and make a ton of money. So good for them. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it was well, cool. I'm glad you're back. I'm glad you're on the show. It's been a good week. Yeah. Been a crazy week. But this week's guest is going to just blow you away. And you know, it's funny because this week's guest is a friend of mine, and it's like a love fest. We we just adore each other but she calls herself a sit down comic instead of a stand-up comic and that's exactly what she is jenna mccarthy's an author and she's a relationship expert but she's also a very popular keynote speaker who has penned more than a dozen more than a dozen seth funny books for children and adults her books include the popular girl series which was like the maggie malone which you should eventually be getting for talia the maggie malone series and there's some extremely cool. comical adult titles, such as If It Was Easy, They'd Call the Whole Damn Thing a Honeymoon, Living With and Loving Your TV Addicted, Sex Obsessed, Not So Handy, Man You Married. So I think that's a great one. And The Parent Trip, From High Heels and Parties to High Chairs and Potties. I'm talking, Jenna has written so many books that are just hysterical that you've just got to read them in fact her ted talk what you don't know about marriage on youtube i sent it to my daughter and my daughter-in-laws because it's it's just it's funny it's a great point of reference it's real factual too and to be jenna's husband you have to be like a shield of steel like back think because she talks about him constantly and just about everything she does and she just lays it out on the line but one of the the real reason I got to meet Jenna and became such good friends with Jenna is Jenna co-authored The Size of Everything with Aaron Cole. Aaron Cole is the very famous wedding designer who spoke openly in her book, The Size of Everything, about the horrific abuse that she endured as a child. Um, they sent me the book. I read through the book when I had Aaron on the show a few months ago, and it was just... It was very difficult to get through it the first time. I, I've read it since again. And Erin's um, just a light. I mean, she's just, you can't imagine that this glamorous, beautiful, amazing, talented a woman was horrifically abused as she, as she was as a child and got over it, went, got through it, got past it. I don't even know what to say. Got just, just turned her whole life into something so positive and her personality is positive and light and just amazing. So Jenna co-authored this with her. And one of the reasons that Aaron picked Jenna was because Jenna or Aaron wanted Jenna to add some humor to the heartbreak. And that's exactly what she does in this book. Exactly. It's an amazing book, The Size of Everything. And in fact, the award-winning syndicated columnist and New York Times bestseller and author Celia Ribbon-Bark states that if Chelsea Handler and Dr. Phil had a love child, 
that would be Jenna McCarthy. It's with great pleasure, excitement, I'm over the top, a big love fest that we welcome to the One Tough Mother Show, my dear, dear friend, Jenna McCarthy. I just love you. Let's feel all the feels. I love you. I respect you. I laugh <laughs> with you. Like, it's, God, you know what? I'm, I'm literally sitting here looking at a picture on my desk of my two daughters and thinking, what a wonderful world they are going to be raised in where women support women and champion each other and celebrate each other and lift each other up and let, like let's let's continue that let's make that let's make that your favorite yeah no, you shit jenna for how many years has it been like the media and everybody telling you should be skinny have sucked in cheeks long blonde hair do this do that and guys saying oh you know she was prettier and you know oh. everybody pit everybody against women and i'm done with it it's over guess what time's up people time's up we need to start talking about it Tell me, Jenna, where did you get started with this? Where did you start this whole writing these crazy books and doing all this cool stuff? I was always a writer in my head, um, an, an unpaid one for a, for a long time. I, I literally was that kid that was submitting short stories to Highlights Magazine when I was eight. I, I kid you not. And I, I spent many tearful years um, in a, in a, you know, late seventies, early eighties, writing really bad poetry in my room that thankfully no one has ever seen. Um, and I was just going to write and I didn't know, it really never occurred to me that it was something I could get paid for. It was just something that I needed to do. You know, I needed to do it for me. I write, I'm a reader. I'm a writer. I read the shampoo bottle every single time I'm in the shower. That's just my nature. And I, my very first magazine, just luckily for me after or, I'm sorry, my very first job was um, at a magazine. And I was selling ad space because I had no skills and no talent and a BA in communications, which is as general as can be. And I just got lucky that the magazine had really poor writing. And I was like, wow, can I, can I like rewrite some of this stuff? Because it's really bad. And uh, they let me for free. They let me write for free. So that was, th that was how it all started. Wow. That, that's, and, and did you feel like, wow, this is like going to go big. Did you really feel it then? I mean, once you start, when you have a passion about something, once you start, I don't know about you, but you know, I'm freaking crazy. It starts going <laughs> in my head. Like I can't sleep. I get nuts. I'm, I'm like nuts. How about you? Well, yes. But when, so I was writing for a little regional magazine and it was business business profiles and you know it wasn't super creative writing but I was selling advertising and when you're selling advertising you're what you're really selling is the content of the magazine and you have to convince people that this magazine is worth reading so no joke when I started it was literally all about I bet I can make a lot more money selling ads if I feel really good about the product I'm selling it in, right? If I feel like this has quality journalism even though I'm writing about you know the lamp guy down on third street that's literally what I was doing but I felt like you know I have integrity and I want to be selling a good product and after a while they were like god you're like yours are so much better that you know we actually pay somebody to do these and you're rewriting them for free how about we just skip the middleman and pay you and they started paying me <laughs> this was in the you know in the early 90s um, but I got $25 an article and I was like holy shit, if I wrote four articles a month, that would be $100. Like, it was, that was like doubling my paycheck back then, you know? So I just thought, 
it literally was like, if, it, if I was a cartoon, that would have been the anvil hitting me on the head going, maybe somebody would pay you to do this thing that you literally would do for free. I would have actually paid them probably. <laughs> I mean, I just, I'm passionate about it. And you ask anybody if they'll say, people will say to me, will you just give this essay a quick look over? You don't have to edit it. Just let me know if it's good or bad. And I'm like, you're so full of shit. You know, I'm going to redline that thing. I can't not do that. I can't not. That's a double negative. Don't use those kids. I, I mean, I, I, I am impelled to fix everything I see and to make it better. And I'm not saying that somebody else couldn't come and make my things better. I'm just saying like, that is my, that's my soul. That's my purpose. It's my passion. I love words. I love alliteration. I love onomatopoeia. I love it all. I'm so really fun and exciting, aren't I? Yeah, there's fun, but you write great, funny, fun books. Like what was first, the children's books or the adult books? Which one? The very first book I wrote was, um, well, I ghost wrote a book, but we don't talk about that. Um, but the first book I wrote for me was um, The Parent Trip, From High Heels and Parties to High Chairs and Potties. And I wrote that book when I was pregnant with my second daughter after, you know, doing what writers and readers do when you're pregnant is I bought every single book on the subject of pregnancy. And then I gave birth and I'm like, you know what? I got a bone to pick with every single one of those writers of the books who never told me that my nipples have holes on the sides. Why is that <laughs> not information? I didn't have? What, where was that information? And where, like, no, you know, you know, you stock up on diapers when you're having a baby, but they don't tell you to stock up on adult diapers, which you are very much going to need and I there was the girlfriend's guide which was great and fun and you know it that was the best thing that there was out there at the time but I was like no there's more there's a lot more information that I wish I had so again it was necessity is the mother of an invention I thought there are some things that other women would be well served in knowing and I would have appreciated knowing going in I mean everything from that book was about you know do yourself a favor and don't tell anybody the baby name you're considering because I guarantee you somebody either knew a stripper or had a dog named Scarlett and then you you're like well now I have a stripper dog name. Great. You can't. You just keep that shit to yourself. That, that was, you know, advice I wish I had. So that, that's what started it all. And then I just, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the process. I fell in love with, you know, I won't lie, with the ego part, with the reviews, with seeing my name on the cover of a stack of books as tall as the ceiling. It's a high. It's a, I'm not, you know, not an addictive personality, but that's a high. That's crazy. And so was it like an instant hit? Like, did it go great the first time? And you were like, holy hell, this is it. I found it. Um, no, publishing is like the worst, most ridiculous industry ever. It's the only retail business in the world where you ship your stuff off to bookstores. And if they don't sell in 30 days, they ship them right back, even though they're dirty and fudge stained because people sit in books in bookstores and read books and don't buy them. Um, no. And, and I did everything wrong the first time as you do, because I did, had no idea what I was doing. Um, I learned a lot. I actually, I mean, this is embarrassing, but this is the true story. So I was a magazine editor at the time. I, my work had been published in a hundred magazines around the world, translated into multiple languages. And so I, I went out and I got an agent and I was a relative nobody in the book world. And I didn't have 
a blog or my own YouTube channel or anything, but I had magazine connections and I was like, well done. I mean, they're going to be throwing money at me. And I got one offer for publication and it was uh, honest to God. It was hardly more than what I was getting to write one magazine article at the time. I was a very well-paid magazine writer. And I said, well, I get that for 6,000 words. This is 80,000 words. Shouldn't I get like 10 times that? And they went, <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> and I went, well, screw you. I'm going to do this myself. But because I did have ego, I wasn't going to be a self-published author. I started a whole damn publishing company and I incorporated and I, you know, I did my DBA and I had a logo designed and I spent a small fortune to make sure that I didn't look self-published. I even hired a publicist, which was a terrible idea. Um, she did nothing, but that wouldn't be the only time that would happen. So I've learned a lot about that um, as well. But um, I basically, I think it took me about four years to break even on that book. And also I hired, I didn't hire a designer off of Fiverr. I hired a designer from 10 Speed Press who charged a, a, a what he was worth, but it was a lot. I hired an interior designer. I hired the, you know, the proofreaders and a lot went into it. And so when you're selling books at a profit of about $2 a book, which is a good profit to be frank, um, you have to sell a lot of books when you've spent $35,000. Yeah. sell a lot of books. Wow. Yeah. So, um, my next, so after that, I said, you know what? Fine. I, I will, I will try the publisher route again. And so with my next book, my next book was, um, probably one of my favorites. It was, if it was easy, they'd call the whole damn thing a honeymoon. And it's, um, a, a love letter to the maddening institution of marriage. And, uh, my agent went out and we got a lovely book deal, um, with Berkeley, which is, uh, now Penguin, Penguin Random House. Um, and they were great. And they did a great job with, I had an in-house publicist and they really, you know, got the word out. And I did, I actually published my next three books with them. And then I started writing children's books and I sold one to HarperCollins and I sold another one to Random House. And so I, I had it, I had done it both ways. And obviously I had more success with the big publisher, but I was also, out there. I had built my own platform. I was on social media and I was involved in that. And, you know, I didn't start off $35,000 in the hole. Do you know what I mean? Right. So right. fast forward to the present, the very last book that I wrote, you mentioned was with my dear, dear, amazing, incredible friend, Aaron Cole. And Aaron and I were, um, I say, uh, I say friends, but we hadn't met in person. We were social media friends. We were acquaintances. I had written about her because she is a globally known um, bridal designer. And I used to write a bridal column for Los Angeles Magazine. And I had interviewed her. And after our interview, she was just darling. She was, she sent me a gift one of two times that's ever happened in my life. And I've written about a million people. Um, we started following each other on social media. We started commenting. We, I got to know her family, you know, through pictures and vice versa. She sent my girls Christmas presents. Like she's just the most gracious person in the world. And um, I just went way off tangent, but I'm just going to keep going. Keep um, so she, she, over the years, every once in a while, she would say, oh my gosh, I just read your latest book. It's amazing. I love you. I love it someday we should write my book. And I, and I would think to myself, but never say out loud, yeah, I'm sure it's really interesting. 
pretty pretty princess. Yeah. Uh, because <laughs> on paper, right? she's this gorgeous, glamorous, elegant, refined, Louis Vuitton, toting. I mean, she's perfect. She really is. She's perfect. And you're like, um, yeah, that's, I mean, most people don't want to read about how fabulous and fantastic you are. Like, it almost you would be a little bit possible. And how upset you are when your toenail color wasn't the color it looked like in the bottle. Which, again, yes, th that is, I, I, am, I am horrified to admit, but I, I'm really good at um, admitting when I'm wrong. And um, I have never been more wrong in my life. So she came to me one day and um, she actually Facebook messaged me because that was our primary mode of communication at the time. And she said, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're busy. I, I see everything you have going on online. And I just wanted you to know that I'm ready to write my story. And I wanted to see if you had any advice. Um, because she'd always been so sweet. I was like, well, you know, obviously it's not something I'm, I can do with you. But, um, you know, why don't you give me, why don't you send me like your outline or whatever you you've got working on and what you're doing and I'll take a look at it and I'll tell you if I think my agent might be good or if I know a publisher that I think would be good for it and she sent me this story that we talk about in every interview but I'm putting my hand on my heart and telling you that it's true the very first words I read out of her fingertips were I was five the first time I slept outside alone and I get choked up telling the story I was covered in chills and I read the rest of the story and it was you know this big giant block of copy there was no punctuation there were no returns it was just this you know she had basically poured her heart onto the screen and I Facebook messenger back and I said send me something else send me another story like do you have more stories how many stories do you have and she's like I could literally go on for weeks and after the third story she sent me, I, I had two finished manuscripts at the time that I was in the process of cleaning up to send out to my agent or whatever I was going to do with them. I, I, I haven't even touched them since that day. We put the brakes on everything I was doing and I sat down and I wrote her incredible, inspiring, heartbreaking, occasionally hilarious life story. Part one. Unbelievable, you know, and, and when you guys sent me the book and I, again, it, I was thrilled that you reached out and thrilled to have Aaron on the show. But when I received the book and started reading it, I have to be honest, Jenna, there was times I had to put it down. Like there was times being a mother and, and just knowing that that's out there, that, that those things have happened to someone, it just so makes me feel so guilty for not knowing that I could have helped someone more. You know what I mean? So there was times, and then I have Erin on the show and she's almost apologizing. She, oh no, she would apologize to me every day. Sweetie, I'm so sorry for what you're about to read. I'm I, so sorry that you have to read about my brutal abuse. I'm so sorry. Like, who, no, honey, you don't have to be sorry. Right. And the name of the book is what? The Size of Everything. And The Size of Everything is a book that, first of all, when I read it and knowing that what, what your writing is, I, I it was kind of like a, a different twist for you. It was like a whole stretch for you, wasn't it? Like A thousand percent. And even at one point, you know, actually very early on with the probably after the third story, I said, I, I don't know why, but I know that I need to write this story. The part I don't know is why me? 
And, she, you know, I said, I'm a humor writer. I'm a sit down comedian. That's my shtick. I'm, you know, I, I bring the funny. That's, that's my gift. And she said, I don't want anyone's pity. There are funny moments. Humor is my friend. Humor saved my life. Humor got me through this. I don't know how to make it funny, but I know that, that you can find the humor in it and that you can find my voice and, and you know, stay true to, I want to tell this book in love. I want to tell this book through the eyes of a child. I don't want to get into any gory graphic details. You know, that's something we talked about early on. It's enough to know that a young girl is molested by a 77 year old man. I don't need to know what he did. You don't need to know what he did. You just need to know that happened. The takeaway for that little girl. And this is how she survived it. And this is how she went on to live this incredible life with zero self-pity, with nothing but this happened to me for a reason. I have a purpose on this earth that purpose is to help people. And if telling this story helps people, here I am. Here it is. Incredible. And again, knowing that this, your style of writing, reading everything I've read of yours, I'm... I thought to myself, how, like, how far did you have to really push? But as a writer, as a writer, you're versatile. You have versatility and you have, you're open-minded. Like, you're not like a horror writer. I only write horror or you're not. <laughs> so you really, ha you had to be extremely versatile to write this. And the fact of the matter is, Erin just spills. She just spills and says it and she's open and honest and trusting. It's had to be the most incredible thing for you that another human being that you really never physically met trusted you that much. The whole, well, within about two weeks of writing, we, we had powered through probably 15, 20,000 words. And at the time I lived in Santa Barbara, she lived in Newport beach. I was like, I'm, I'm getting in my car. Like I need to come see you right now. And I, I drive down and she answers the door with a glass of Vuv as only Aaron Cole can do. And, you know, she's the consummate hostess. And here's a woman who was beaten and starved as a child and she cooks and serves and, and, you know, the whole time she's doing it, she's giving you more food. And, and as she hands it to you, she's like, food is love. I love you. Food is love. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm going to show you how much I love you. And she, it never stops with her. And you just see that like the gratitude for her survival in everything she does. She's just, you know, and I feel like, you know, I, I would talk this way about her and, you know, to my family and they'd roll their eyes and they're like, okay. And then she came to see us about two weeks later. She's like, I need to know your whole family. I just need to get up and all that. I need to get up in everyone's grill. And she came and you just see on everyone's face when they meet her, they go, oh shit, like you're right. This is not, there are not a lot of people on the planet like her. There just aren't. I mean, I've been on this planet 50 years. I can say that with confidence. There, there aren't. She is a good, solid, honest, lovely, loving, radiant human being that I, I, I literally say pinch me every single day that I was chosen to tell this story. It's amazing. And when I read the things, you know, she'll send me a message. And at the end of the message, she always write, I love you or have a great day. I love you. And when I read the book and when I go back to the book and when I read things that, sh that are online written about Aaron, 
it's so bizarre because she always says, you know, my mother's love for design and art and my, you know, she, there's not a bitter bone. No. In, or pee or drop of blood in this, no. woman. not a bitter bone or drop of blood in this woman. No. And sometimes you're like, could you, you're kind of making me feel like a jackass. Could you just be mad? Could you just like, I mean, if, if anyone ever wanted to stir a list of the human beings that let Aaron Cole down, they better have a long fucking notebook, right? It's got, I mean, this is going to be a long piece of paper and she does nothing but wish them well. I feel sorry for whatever happened in their lives that made them want to hurt someone else. I am, they must've been so damaged and so hurt. And you know, it's funny because she does say those exact words and those are the exact words since my kids were little. If another kid was mean to them, I would always say, if a child is being mean to you, it's because they've been hurt. So try to find the sympathy, try to find the, you know, but after the fifth time, you're like, just punch. Right, right. Just punch her in the face. Like seriously, punch her in the face. I'm, I mean, I'm about had enough. Aaron doesn't have that. Like I've had enough. It's just, I'm going to give you even more love. I'm going to send you even more light. I'm going to will you into healing. Like she's just, she's just, she's amazing. And she's on her way to my house today, and I'm so excited. Oh, I'm so excited for you. I wish I was with you guys. Well, oh, you my know, God, would we have fun. We would have a blast. She, um, when you wrote this, Jenna, when this came out, and, and then you messaged me, and I, I got the book, and I was super excited. And by the way, I want a signed copy by both of you. A signed copy by both of you. I'll pay for it. You, um, got, you shut your mouth when you're talking to me. I, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> anyway, I, um, when, I got, when I read through it, I kept thinking to myself, how is this woman not like, I didn't get the, the Barbie that the hair grew. Remember the Barbie that you pulled? Oh, yeah. The back? I, I was bitter about that for years. Mm -hmm. This woman just walks on air. Like she walks on clouds. It's amazing. Like it's, I'm just so thrilled. Did you think in your head after you wrote this, there's going to be a sequel? Oh yeah. No, I knew it midway through the book. Okay. She, we started outlining and I'm looking at this and it just keeps going. And I'm like, okay, we either need to start cutting stuff out because this is going to be a 900 page book. And unless you're Ayn Rand, nobody wants that. Um, or we need to do it in two parts. And you know, she's like, well, how do we know when to end it? How do we know when to end it? And I was like, I, I know from every book I've ever written, I've written novels that I literally have no idea how it's going to end. Like it could go one way or the other. And I don't know when I write, I know this sounds crazy. Again, my hand is on my heart. I'm, I'm telling you with all the sincerity in my body, I am a conduit when I write. I don't know what the next page is going to say. I don't know what the next scene is going to be. I would, I would, especially when I write fiction, I would write my characters into corners and I literally would like shut my computer down at night going, huh, I wonder how she's going to get out of that. Like I literally <laughs> I have no idea. I swear to God, I have no idea. And you know, Erin will tell you this. We would, she'd say, well, honey, what, what, I mean, we're like at, at 60,000 words, we're at 70,000 words, we're at 80,000 words. Like when is it going to end? And I'm like, the end will reveal itself. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. And it revealed itself. And then I did a little tease because it ended when she's about 23 and you know I, I have a little beta group of readers and I already knew I was going to write you know the little postscript part but I just wanted to see what people's reaction were and I have nine beta readers and nine beta readers wrote me back and said well I need more I need more 
what? And I was like, you want to know what happens, right? And I, and they said, yeah. And I said, okay, here's the, here's the, you know, um, epilogue. I'm going to send you that. And they were all like, okay. Because what I did in the epilogue is I just told you what happened to everybody. This person died. This person, you know, went on to have this. This person had that. The way you might in a movie, you know, at the a movie, a flashback where, okay, then they went on, they were married for 20 years, whatever. But, you know, and Erin said to me at one point, she said, you know, do you think that now that everybody knows how it ends, they won't want to read book two? And I said, honey, they knew how it ended when they picked up book one. You are how it ends. You're the end. The end is this beautiful, amazing, successful, gracious, loving creature. The book, book one and book two, is about the stories. It's about what happens to you. It's about your resilience. It's about when you finally go enough. You know, it's all of those things. And it's, it's the way you tell the stories and the way we tell the stories. I mean, people say, oh, I love the writing of this book. And I say, thank you very much. But what I tried to do was keep it as true to, I kept every single file Erin sent me. And this book came out at 80,000 words. And there was a lot of weeding down because she writes and writes and writes and writes and writes and writes and writes. Um, so I probably have 200,000 words. I kept every word. So if anybody ever wanted to say to me, did Erin really say that? I can show you exactly where she said that. It's buried in verbal vomit, but I can show you exactly where she said that. Oh my gosh, Jenna, it's, you know, you have such a gift. It's so amazing because when I read the books and when I read, I always think to myself, I don't know when to stop. I'm like, Erin, like I would just keep putting down, putting down, putting down, putting down. And it's so incredible that you can, you can package it in a way that people can digest it because that's what it's all about if it's digestible if people can sit read it enjoy it, and digest it in one right. well then because of the the nature of the content and i really i mean it's hard it's hard to read about brutal abuse that at every page you know you turn the page and you think it's got to get better now and it, then it gets worse and you're like mother of pearl it's got I get better now and then it gets worse. And I'll, I, I swear to you, there later in the book, there were additional instances of such horrific abuse. And she would write it out to me, you know, in these big long things. And, and there were two specific times. And I went back to her and I said, I need you to trust me. I'm not going to include this. I, I, I can't. I think we're at a place where enough already. And she's like, but, the, but is that like, you know, hiding the truth or obscuring the truth. And I'm like, I just, I, I think we're at this point where it doesn't add anymore. And it almost becomes unbelievable right. that someone can enjoy. I mean, it already is frankly, but like, I, it, it just, we're just going to leave that out. And she was like, okay, I try. I mean, she trusted me at every single turn when I would say, no, that's enough. Or she, she really, she, she, she wants, but then I said this and then he said this and then I said this and she, her, her memory is unhuman. Uh, it's unhuman, inhuman, inhumane, inhuman. I don't know whatever that word is. I mean, it's, I've never, t she, she remembers verbatim and what she was wearing and where she was sitting and what time of day it was and what music was playing in the background. And, you know, I would say it's, it's okay. We can, we can leave that one out. We can right. leave that out. Right. And like this, this book is what your, is this book like your 13th, 14th? Well, how many books have you written up to this point? I think it's 20. I think I literally, like when you say I, 
I'm versatile, like no joke. I've written children's picture books. Do you even know that I write um, religious marriage books with a pastor, Mark Gunger, the funniest human being on the planet? We have um, a series of books. I have written I middle grade that. magical. Why didn't I know oh, that? Yeah. I don't know because I'm I'm sort of secretive. Yeah, Mark is amazing, and we write funny Christian how to have a better marriage and be a better partner and all that kind of stuff. And it's fun. They're funny. They're funny. They're just, I don't get to drop F-bombs in them. Oh. But that's all. They're funny. Is that tough? <laughs> yeah. Tell, wait, now, let's, let's talk about this a second. This entire time that you're writing, that you're doing all this stuff, that you, you're married. Oh, yeah, I am. And you have a couple kids, right? You have two daughters. I, I have two teenage daughters, yep. So how long have you been married? 19 years. So through this entire start to finish process or start to continue process, you've been married to the same guy. And what is he saying? What is he doing? <laughs> um, his most famous quote is, um, well, th let me back up. The marriage book was, was by nature all about him. And so like every, it's literally, I kicked off that book. I started writing that book the night that he and I got in this huge fight and I threw a cup of ice at his head. That's a true story. Um, I didn't actually, I didn't like toss the ice out of the cup at him. I threw the cup and everything. I literally threw a cup at his head. <laughs> and then and I had to admit that I was a jackass. And, you know, so I started writing and the rest of the book details every embarrassing, horrific, hilarious, spat conversation, you know, everything. It, it basically exposed us. And I was on the Today Show talking about this stuff and they actually panned to him in the audience. Um, so it was, we were actually in our uh, town car on our way to the Today Show and one of his sisters called to wish me good luck. And she said, we're having a viewing party and dad's coming over. And my, my husband's father is like old school, European, very private, and much like my husband. And my husband turns to me and he goes, holy shit, my dad's going to read this book. Like, <laughs> I'm like, well, I, ho I hope so, because that's $1.50 in our pocket, honey. <laughs> you know? And he's like, oh my God. Like every, and then, you know, so for the rest of our lives, like we would go to meet the new preschool teacher and she'd She'd go, oh, I read your book, <laughs> like all nervous because she knows that I say, honey, get your hair out of my ass crack, you know, like that's a thing that we say. So, and he's very, very private. And you probably don't know this, but I also used to be a radio DJ. So when I was on the radio, I would talk about all of our stuff. That's, that's just what I did. Like I would get to work and go, oh my God, my husband's such a jerk. Listen to what he did. And he'd be listening going, I'm, I'm calling in. I'm going to call in. And I'm like, don't answer it if my husband calls. <laughs> Do not answer, you know. So he, I mean, somebody like that doesn't marry somebody like me and hope for the best. Like, you know what you're getting. You know, like it's, it's one way or another, your shit with me is going to get broadcast for the world to, to hear, read, see. It just is. Oh, that's so funny. It is. And, and, you know, and he'll, he'll be the first one to tell you like, yeah, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, it's awkward and yeah, I'm private, but I, I didn't marry another me. I married her for a reason, you know? Yeah. Even in your so, TED talk, he's, it's obvious. I mean, you're talking about, you're in your TED talk and you're talking about, and I'm, the whole time I'm thinking, is this guy sweating bullets? Like, yeah. he's got to be listening and be like, what? He really is my biggest fan. He supports everything I do. You know, when I'll say, 
I want to spend some unholy amount of money on PR for a book. He's like, well, hell yeah, you are. Like if we're investing in anything, it's you. Like, come on. Oh, you're so cute. Oh my God. After 19 years, you still like this guy? Most of the time. Oh my God. That's amazing. Not all the time, but he's a good, he's a good man. He's a good partner. He's, he's super hunky. I mean, I can't complain. I can't complain just because he leaves his dirty boxers on the floor. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but what about the girls? Are the girls now like that they're, they're teenagers saying, Ma, tone it down. Like, we don't want everybody to know. I am not kidding you. My kids are, they're ridiculous. I swear to God, they're ridiculous. They brag about me. They post my books on their Instagram. They post pictures of me and they're like, my mom is so cute. My mom is so pretty. Like not once in my entire life did I do that or would I have, by the way. They're, they're, you know, I tell them all the time, like my one daughter, my oldest daughter is, um, she's like 15 going on 27 and has been since birth. And I have a hot temper. I mean, I am like coming in hot when I'm mad and I'll start yelling at her and she goes so Zen and she'll, you know, which literally makes me hotter you know, mom, it's okay to stay calm. We can have a, we can have an adult conversation about this. And you know, I'm Linda Blair head spinning steam coming out of my ears. And every time, because I am an adult, I'm just horrible at not losing my temper. I come back to her afterward and I apologize. And I say the same thing, which is, you know, when, when you have kids, your goal is you 2.0, like you're, you're a product of me, but I hope to God you're better than I am at everything. I hope you're better at communicating. I hope you're better at saving money. I hope you're better at being true to yourself. I hope you're better at saying no. I hope, like, all, all I'm trying to do is teach you to be better. And I'm succeeding because you're a better human being than I am all day, every day. Like, kudos to me. Kudos to you. We're doing this. You're, my kids are freaking awesome. The only thing they won't let me do is post pictures of them. I can't post any picture without, like, written approval but anything else is a hundred percent fair game. Oh my God. They're great. They're great. I, I have awesome. like my own little cheerleading squad. That is the best. I'm so, I'm so excited for, for you and, and for your family and for Aaron, because this is just the beginning. It's just the beginning of what's going to happen. And I love being on the ground floor of anything so fun and adventurous. So I'm so well, you, let me say your support has been amazing. And I really do feel with the book, The Size of Everything, you know, every, everybody who's read it, if you go on Amazon right now, you look at the reviews, it's, it has been profound for a lot of people. And so your willingness and eagerness to help spread the word, you know, I, I mean, we haven't really touched on this, but really the, the purpose of writing this book for Aaron was to help people and to, you know, which is what a lot of people do with, with a bad situation. Let's make sense of this, right? Let's have it have a purpose. So her purpose in all of this is I will tell my story, hashtag me too, so that other people can tell their stories and other people can heal. And it, it really is 
people like you, people like you who are so enthusiastic and also happen to be well-connected and also happen to have big, loud mouths and also happen to have big, giant hearts that want to help spread that message. It's everything. It really is everything. So thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm just so honored to have had you both on the show. I'm honored to help you in any way I can. And if there's anyone that's listening that wants to get to connected to Jenna and, and wants to talk to her about you know, getting the book out there and getting the word out there, um, please, you know, reach out to me or reach out to Jenna, whichever one you'd like. But it, this is such an important, important subject because this is time. Time is up as far as I'm concerned. It's time for us all to stick together. It's time for us to build a community of women that support women. I don't give a shit if you're wearing purple pumps. <laughs> I don't care if your hair hasn't been combed in a day. I don't care if you don't have makeup on. I care about who you are inside and out and what you do to further support other women. Amen. Hey, can I shamelessly plug one more thing? Please. Erin um, is on her way, like I said, to visit me today. I recently moved to Texas and she's still in California. So she's coming for a little visit. I'm looking at, we have a big old stack of book plates that I just, had printed um, and we're going to be signing them if anyone would like to give a copy of the book to anyone else or themselves um, you can order it at you know Amazon or your local bookstore whatever we will mail you a signed book plate signed to whomever you would like you can reach out to me through my website it's just my name Jenna McCarthy.com and we're just gonna be personalizing these for the next couple of days if anybody wants that um, and also on my website, we did, we have tons of book clubs reading the book. Women really are in, um, reading this book together and then talking about it because it brings up a lot of stuff for a lot of people. So we did a book club discussion guide that is also free. You can just grab it on my website, download it and print it out for your book club to kind of have a little guided discussion that um, people seem to like. Oh, you rock, sister. I'm telling you what. You rock. And when you when you see Erin, please give her a big hug and kiss for me. Tell her I love her. And I can't thank you enough for being on this show. I mean, it, you're an amazing, amazing person. I can't wait to get my signed copy from the both of you. I literally just put it on my list, mother, with a <laughs> giant heart around it. I'll take a picture of it and text it to you. You will get one. Okay. And again, anything that I can do to support you, please reach out because I'm here for you guys. Thank you so much, Jenna McCarthy. I think you're an amazing person and human being. And I hope you have a great holiday. I mean, I'm going to be outside in 40 mile an hour winds putting up my decorations. Hell I literally was just going to tell you to tie an anchor to your foot. Be careful. I will, babe. Have a great, great day. Have a great visit. You're amazing. Love you. Take care. I love you too. Be careful. The One Tough Mother Podcast. Real talk with amazing women who have worked their way to the top and want to share their real life lessons with you. And we're back. We got headaches and headlines. Yes, we do. Lots of them. <laughs> yes, we do. Oh, I had a headache this weekend, but it had a happy ending. Um, <laughs> my phone dropped in water and I took it out. It was still working. And then I found out some things weren't working. And I started panicking. I went to Verizon and I went to the place to get it fixed. And I come back. I, I go pick it up this morning. He says, um. Oh, I just had to clean it. I didn't even have to replace any parts or anything. Wow. It works. I was like, really? I said, yeah. I said, all right, what do I owe you? He goes, nothing. Wow. I said, really? I said, can I pay you something? He's like, no. I said, well, you'll definitely get my business in the future. Thank you very much. That was really kind of him. It really was. I was, I was, uh, yeah. 
I was pleasantly surprised that my phone had a happy ending. Yay. So that was my headline and headache. Okay, that's it. <laughs> Guys, have a good week. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, people warned to avoid romaine lettuce. We've heard about this. It's been going on for a little bit. People should avoid romaine and lettuce in any form, according to Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The broad and urgent warning is being issued two days ahead of Thanksgiving and, and continuing due to contamination by dangerous types of E. coli, which I told, you know, I think I talked to you privately. I told you I, I knew someone that died from E. coli. Oh. Um, yeah. So regardless of where and when it was grown, just stay away from romaine. 11 states, 30, peoples in, 30 people in over 11, in 11 states have become sick from eating romaine. So until further notice, kale is your friend. Yeah. You know, I don't even think I want to, I, and I, that's all I eat is romaine. Now I don't think I'm going to want to eat romaine at all. Okay. Well, you don't never say, don't say, you know, just, you know, do your homework. All right. Research. Yeah. Hey, Karen. Karen. Yeah. Would you move to Tulsa for $10,000? <sighs> Oklahoma. Um, I've been through Oklahoma. It's pretty. No. Oklahoma, Oklahoma. Um, Tulsa, Oklahoma has a plan to attract more workers. They're going to pay them to move there. Wow. The okay. Maybe I'll rethink city. it. There you go. The state's second city is rolling out a program that offers 10000 and a desk in a co-working space to remote workers willing to re relocate and stay for at least a year. Oklahoma follows other states trying to lure workers with financial incentives. Vermont offers a similar amount to remote workers via tax breaks, while Maine is offering student loan assistance to attract younger workers. I think Maine is doing a very smart thing. I, student, yes, student loan assistance, 100%. Vermont, I'd work remotely from Vermont or for Vermont. Sure. I mean, you know, obviously for younger or single people, this, this is a great opportunity. I would, you know, if I was single and I was working uh, remotely, I'd go, I'd take 10 K and live there for a year in Oklahoma. Why not? Yeah. The year, year goes pretty quick and it's like getting paid an extra $10,000. Through that. I'm sure the rents are low too. Yeah. All right. So, Hey, jump on that people. <laughs> hey, um, Toys R Us workers getting severance fund. Well, you know, I, th I think this was a lot of backlash because all these uh, big big wigs and executives were getting bonuses while people were losing their jobs. So um, private equity firms that own Toys R Us uh, before its bankruptcy are pledging uh, $10 million to establish a fund to distribute severance payments to former employees. Um, so they're not under, they're not required to do that, but, you know, they're getting their reputations were at stake. So I think they made a, a smart move. I think that as long as it's not going to be one of those class action things where you get 15 cents, go for it. Yeah. Hopefully that's not it. This is um, sad, I guess. Life expectancy for Americans continues to fall, according for, uh, to, data, to for the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention. Actually, Trump told me this is fake news, so but I'll keep going. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is fake news. We're going to live to a million. Okay. Uh, the measure fell by a tenth last year to 78.6 years on account of rising suicide rates and deaths from the opioid epidemic. Wall Street Journal notes that deaths from the flu, pneumonia, and diabetes also pushed down the rate. Life expectancy, one measure of a nation's prosperity, has been falling since 2014. Switzerland and Japan rank at the top of the list, while U.S. is 29th on longest-lived countries. Are you kidding me? Come on. The, the opioid epidemic is so bad that it's yep. changing the life expectancy of people in the U S 
That's but even so. Ugh. We don't relax. We work too hard. You know, it's just it's um, it's just a, such a we have a stress a stressful environment in this country, and um, that's uh, things are gonna have to change. Yeah, I agree, one hundred percent. Seventy-eight's not too bad. It could have been worse. It's that's pretty young, dude. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just saying, you know. All right. Retailers retool gift cards over fraud. Walmart, Target, and Best Buy are modifying their gift card programs as they attempt to lessen fraud over the holiday shopping season. Changes have been announced by Attorney Generals uh, of New York and Pennsylvania are the result of a year-long initiative to hinder those using the cards for fraudulent purposes. Changes outlined for the stark branded cards include lessening single transaction purchase limits, curbing the amounts that can be loaded onto cards, and banning the use of store branded gift cards to purchase other gift cards, which is ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, good for you, companies taking care of business, fixing things. Keep going. Thank you. Right. We love yes, you. Yes. Bye-bye. Okay. Yeah. Are standing desks overrated? No, they're not. Okay. Next story. No, I'm a big standing desk guy. And at my new job, I have to give a doctor's note to get I thought one. that was crazy. You, you and I both have been standing at standing desks for many, many, many years. Mine because of my sciatica issue and yours because of your back, maybe? Yeah, I, I, I just if I sit too long, I just I don't feel good. Um, and I was saying that um, it's oversold. I think I think the the perfect thing is to kind of go up and down, you know, sit a little, stand a little, like um, which I end up doing anyway. But uh, definitely, it's not it's not a form of exercise or anything. It's just a matter of like being on your feet. Actually, and also what I learned is um. You know, I used to sit all the time. I'd crash after lunch. I'd really, literally fall asleep at my desk. And when I'm standing, that doesn't happen. You know, that's very true for me, too, because when I'm standing all day, I'm fine. Like, I can do easily 12, 14 hours. When I sit down in the car to drive home, I have to keep, like, the heat off if it's the winter. I have to have the windows open if it's the summer because as soon as I sit down, my body shuts down. Yeah, be careful, Karen. Five-hour energy drink. No, thank you. Okay. Um, stacker two. All right. Um, an unusual way to grow your career. When we imagine our own deaths and even write drafts of the way we'd like to be remembered, we can examine our priorities and goals from a broader perspective. Executive coach Daniel Harkavy encourages the CEOs he works with to draft two eulogies, the one that would uh, be read today and another that would encompass all of your future achievements. Comparing the two uh, can help you reevaluate how you're spending your time and the decisions you are making. I don't believe that. That's good. I don't believe writing your eulogy is going to, I don't believe it. You got to be real soul searching and real honest then. Why don't you have to say here, okay. I gotta, here, I've got a way to do it, an unusual way to grow your career. Have your boss write two eulogies for you. Uh, that's weird, Karen. Okay. And you probably get fired for that. It's like an HR violation. <laughs> that's me, dude. All over the place. Are an HR violation. You're a walking HR violation. I am. Well, Karen, this is good news for us. Uh, 60 is the new 40. And here's a list of a few stars that uh, turned or turning 60 this year in 2018. Jamie Lee Curtis. Whoa. Sharon Stone. Whoa. Joan Jett. Oh, I wouldn't have thought that one. Uh-uh. Well, DeGeneres. I didn't think she was 60. And of course, um, you have the, the the never aging Angela Bassett. She always looks awesome. Gorgeous. 
I just saw Michelle Pfeiffer in a movie. She looked great. Yeah. Yeah. You have Belinda Carlisle. She still looks great. Mark Cuban looks young. He looks like he's 50. Yep. Yep. That's, that's impressive. Alec Baldwin, when he's not drunk, he, he still looks young. <laughs> Ellen. Ellen's a good one. Ellen's a good one because you know what? If you stood Ellen up in front of me and said, how old do you think she is? I'd have no clue. Like 40. I thought 46-ish, five or six. Yeah, I'm saying, you know, to put her some makeup on her stuff, maybe even younger. Pretty impressive. Ellen, keep doing your Pilates. Good for good you. Good for you. And, and thank you all for being yourselves. And, all your, and Kevin Bacon, even. He's 60. Wow. Now, that was another surprise to me. For some reason, certain people like Ellen, Bacon, um, even um, Cuban and Belinda Carlisle, I don't think of them with an age. You know what I mean? For some reason. Yeah, no, you don't think of it because you always seen their old movies and all that. Right. Yeah, you got to cut foot loose. <sighs> foot loose. Okay. All right. Um, and rest in peace to uh, President number forty-one, George H. W. Bush, died at ninety-four. That's a that's a long. He's a life lived. He was jumping out of planes a couple of years ago. <laughs> and um, it has to be remarkable to be the Bushes. Oh, I'm sorry. What's that? Um, yeah, I'm just giving a little, you know, background. He fought in World War II. He listened in the Navy at 18. His torpedo bomber was shot down over the Pacific and received a distinguished flying cross for his bravery in action. I mean, just stop right there. I mean, any guy who served like that and, and fought, and especially World War II, was just a, you know, a nightmare. Um, you got to give him that credit. And, and to go from there and almost dying in the war, to go to Yale and – and have a career in oil and then becoming involved in politics from going from congressman envoy to China and CIA director. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's he did a lot in his life. You got to respect it. Even if you don't agree with all of his politics. I know it's incredible. And to be completely honest with you, like how, how large is your legacy that you're like, I was the president and my son was the president. I mean, think about that. Imagine always, you being the president and then Alex is the president. That's just, or even Talia, like one of your children ends up being the president as well. That just is so, wow. I mean, that's, that's a lot for who you are too, right? Yeah. I mean. It's amazing. Incredible. And, and Barbara Bush was like a, like they, they talked about her like she was like the the rock of the family. Like, yeah, like she didn't take anything either. So I hate to say this because I don't mean it in a mean way at all. I mean, I'm glad they're back together. I'm glad that they're all together now. They were married for 73 years. Right? That's crazy. Crazy. So... You know, rest in peace, um, President Bush. We're um, you were we're a greater country because of you. I think. Absolutely, and that's all we have for uh, headlines and well, headaches today. Karen. Today's mother says is, and this is this is some funny that you talked about the kindness that this gentleman showed you by fixing your phone for free, because I was in the store, and there was like oh, twelve, maybe twelve people in the line, and it was one of those big box, big, huge stores. And with 
God only knows why they have 17 registers and they have one open. God only knows why at Christmas they have this happening. But anyway, um, there's a young girl. I'm going to say she's like oh, mid-20s maybe. Like looks frantic. Like trying her best to get through this Lyle or this line. You know, checking everybody out, bagging their stuff, trying to be pleasant while she's doing it. And people are just brutal talking out loud, moaning and groaning, complaining and, you know, giving the woman an attitude like, you know, oh, I can't, how much, you know, just ridiculous, ridiculous. Like this woman's whole goal in her life was to inconvenience everyone in that line. It, it was just sickening. So I'm glad that that person was so kind to you today and, and I don't know, just showed human kindness. Remember people, it's the holiday season. Be kind, you know, smile at someone, open the door for someone, pick up something someone drops, you know, say a kind word to someone. Stop. Stop with thinking that people are out to inconvenience you because it's really seriously not about them. It's about you and how you're reacting to it. So I chose today's Mother Says because of this story with the young girl. It says, if the words you spoke appeared on your skin, would they still be beautiful? Can you imagine that? If the words you spoke appeared out on your skin, would you still be beautiful? Uh, just Not again, show some kindness, right, Seth? Not when I'm driving, Karen. Okay. Those words. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Seth, we're talking about not at a time that you're driving. God, he ruins everything at the end. Anyway, <laughs> Everybody, be kind. Be a positive force. You know, uh, be kind to somebody. Watch them be kind to somebody else. It, it's like a big uh, chain of events. And next week, we have an amazing guest. We have Rami. I am so excited. I could not wait for December to come because of this. He's done Annalena Jolie. He's done Taylor Swift. He's done Cher. Their makeup. He's done their makeup. And he's going to be on to talk about us. Seth, don't wear makeup next week. Oh, he can, do, he can do my makeup on the show. Yeah, yeah. I'm not wearing makeup because I'm going to be nervous. He's going to critique me. Thanks, everybody. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. It's the holiday season. Be kind to one another. And we'll talk to you next week.